This is day five, our last day of looking at 2 Corinthians chapter four. I'm almost sad to come to the end of this chapter. We've been talking, uh, yesterday we began a talk looking at the kind of servant who endures, who lasts. And we reminded ourselves yesterday that it's the spirit-powered servant, not the personally-powered or self-powered servant. It's the spirit-powered servant who lasts. Let me read for you again all those verses, 16 to 18, and then break down two other very strong things that Paul says in these verses about enduring and serving, serving for a lifetime. Therefore, he says in verse 16, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You want to last a lifetime in serving him? First, let the spirit power your life, not the self. Second thing Paul says here is, you realize that servanthood is not accompanied by ease. It is accompanied by hope. If you think that somehow if I serve God, it's going to be a life of ease, it's going to make my life easier, you've missed the point entirely. Servant of Christ, not a servant of Christ. This is the, this is the world, the fallen world that we're living in. You're going to have troubles no matter what in this world. Jesus said you're going to have troubles in this world. But Paul says it in this way in verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, let, me, let me paint for you the, the contrast between what I'd call the servant of ease and the servant of hope. The servant of ease, the goal of their servanthood is comfort. The sense is, if I serve God, God's going to serve me. I'll take care of God, and God will take care of me. Or maybe I'll take care of God's business, I'll take care of God's people, and God will take care of me. And the way he's going to take care of me is make everything fine. No problems, no struggles, no sicknesses in my life. Now, it's not so strange that we should think this way. That's just the way human beings tend to think. We want to make life easier. And the truth is, we're looking forward to heaven where things are going to be perfect. So it is natural for us to think it shouldn't be this way. The problem is, it's going to be this way as long as we're on this earth. Uh, we, we think this way even in the fact that we live in what I would call a retirement-conscious society. For many people, the goal of their life is a comfortable retirement. Now, I believe in retirement. I think all of us should look forward to a change of pace and some new opportunities as we grow older. But I hate the retirement mentality. The idea that we reach a point in life where we are no longer responsible. We've got to let others do the serving now while we just sort of sit back and do the watching. I've earned this comfort. Retirement may mean we change some of the ways we serve and places that we serve. But the rest of your life, you're going to serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength maybe in different ways than earlier in life, but he's made you to serve him the rest of your life. The idea is not a life of ease and comfort, of kicking back. The idea is a life of kicking in to what it means to live out God's glory in your life. And so Paul says in verse 17, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is the servant of hope. He's not living in some false fantasy life where he's pretending there's no troubles in this world. Even if you can escape some of them yourself, believe me, there are plenty of troubles in this world, plenty of them. And other people are experiencing them right now. They need your love. They need you to serve them. Paul looks at his own life. We just talked earlier this week about the persecutions he'd faced, about the afflictions that he'd faced, the pressures that he'd faced. And here he says, our light and momentary troubles. Now, momentary, you might accept that one because you know we're just on this earth for a moment. But when he says light troubles, you look at that and it feels like 
It's like calling the San Francisco earthquake a little tremor, the Chicago fire a small blaze, the eruption of Mount St. Helens just a little steam on top of a mountain. How could he call this light? It's a matter of perspective. Paul's not minimizing the troubles that he's facing or the troubles you're facing. He's maximizing the glory of God. If you took the Chicago fire and you put it in the sun, you wouldn't even know it was there. And Paul is saying, when I look at my troubles compared to the glory of God, and in fact, the fact that God is using those troubles even to lead in greater ways to the glory of God in my life, then I'm able to call them light. Paul compared his trials to God's glory, and that's what gave him hope. When you look at how people live life and the struggles we all have, why do some people go from bad to worse and others from glory to glory? It's a matter of perspective. Are you focused on your troubles or are you focused on the glory of God? No matter what troubles you're facing right now, whether you brought them on yourself, someone else brought them on in your life, whether the most horrendous thing that you've ever faced or a small irritation that you just can't seem to shake, no matter what troubles you're facing right now, the truth is those troubles are achieving for you an eternal glory. What's the glory? The glory is when you look to Christ in the midst of those troubles and you let Jesus become more of who he is in your life. And that outweighs anything in this world. That's the servant of hope. So if I want to last in ministry, I've got to realize that this servanthood is not leading to a life of ease. That's not why I'm serving God. It's lived in a life of hope. And then Paul talks about a third thing that's in the life of every servant who lasts, everyone who serves for a lifetime. Servanthood is not evaluated by temporary results. It's evaluated by eternal impact. In verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. There's a contrast also here. There's a contrast between those who serve for temporary results and those who serve for eternal impact. Those who serve for temporary results, if you're just serving for the temporary result, your major focus tends to become popular opinion, what other people think of you. Or your major temptation is to believe that some visible result validates the fact you should be serving him. And if there's no visible result, you should just stop because it's not working for you. How can you tell if you're this kind of person, the person that's serving just for temporary results? You do an attitude check. If no one notices when you serve, do you get angry? If you don't see instant results out of your service, do you get depressed? That's that's a sign that you're serving for visible results. And the truth is, I've had those signs in my life. No one noticed, and I'm irritated at that. Or I didn't see the instant results that I wanted, and I feel a depression over that. That's a sign in my life that I'm serving in a way that's not going to last. I'm not going to endure if I'm serving for the visible results. Paul says instead, be the kind of servant who serves for eternal impact. God wants to create true impact in your life. In his book, A Thinking Man's Guide to Pro Football, Paul Zimmerman quotes a physicist who made this incredible discovery about the impact that happens in a football game. He, as a physicist, he proved with physics that when a 240-pound lineman who could run 100 yards in 11 seconds, collides with a 240-pound running back who could cover the same distance in 10 seconds, the kinetic energy would be enough to move 33 tons one inch. Would be, in another way to say that in certain collisions, 1,000 Gs, 1,000 gravities. That's a tremendous impact of two people hitting each other. When we think about impact and eternal impact, there's an even greater impact in serving God, because there's an impact that lasts all the way into eternity. 
The impact happens. When does it happen? In a football game, you know when it happens. You see the two players hit. When does eternal impact happen in our lives? The impact happens, Paul says it here. When you fix your eyes on what's unseen, that's the moment of eternal impact. That's the moment that creates a servant that can last through all this life. That's the moment, here's the key, that enables you to yield your will to God's will. If I'm fixing my eyes only on what is seen, I'm gonna do what I see to do. Even if I have a sense that God is saying to do something else, it's like, God, here it is right in front of me. I gotta do this. But if instead I'm looking at him, I'm looking beyond the moment to eternity. I'm looking beyond the circumstance to the person. I'm looking beyond my feelings to the love of God. If instead I'm fixing my eyes on what is unseen, I have the freedom to yield my will to his will. Now, how do you do that? How can you look at things that are invisible? That sounds sort of impossible, doesn't it? In Hebrews chapter 11, 7, Moses is, is said to have endured because he saw him who is invisible. How does he do that? There's an example of it, but how do you do that? Invisible things are spiritual things. They are matters of trust rather than matters of proof. Eternal impact comes when I look at the truth of God's word, when I look at the truth of God's character, when I look at the truth of God's plan, and I allow that to affect my decision. His will being done, not my will being done. Now, some people ask, isn't eternal impact like visible in this world sometimes? Well, yes and no. God obviously has a visible impact on this world, and yet we're not always aware of it. Now, when we talk about this, does this mean we should never evaluate the effectiveness of something? No, you should evaluate it. It simply means that you look through a different window in your evaluation. You start measuring with an eye on eternity. Hey, it was great we had more people at church this weekend than last weekend. But what difference is it making as we look forward to eternity? If it doesn't make any difference in eternity, it doesn't matter if you have 20, 50, 80, 1,000 times the number of people. It's just more people. What about more impact on eternity? So you start measuring with an eye on eternity. You start putting God's will in a place of priority in your measurements. Instead of you measuring for how you can do it better, there's a lot of scientific ways to do that. Instead, you spiritually begin to measure for what God wants to be doing. That's what eternal impact is all about in our lives. Now, these verses, these last couple of days have talked to us about how to last. I want to pray for you right now that you will last. Lord, I pray for each of us. You know our hearts. You see our hearts. We want to last the rest of our lives in serving you. We know we may not be doing the same things the rest of our lives, but we will be serving you the rest of our lives. And whatever it is you have us doing, I pray that you'd help us to serve empowered by your spirit, not by ourselves. We want to last. Help us to serve, Lord, based on the hope that we have, not some, not some false idea of gaining ease from you as if like, this world could be heaven. Help us to hang on to hope and help us to serve looking forward to not some temporary result that builds us up, but to the eternal impact that speaks to your glory forever. That's what we ask for in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't miss next week. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is the chapter that has the truths. We live by faith and not by sight. To be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, filled with many of the strongest truths in the Christian life. So see you next week for 2 Corinthians 5. <music> 